Hello, and welcome to my podcast. I'm so happy to have you here today for this lesson, Lesson 4 of our Psalm 37 series. In this series, we are imagining the scene of ancient Rome. Four years ago, my husband and I had the awesome privilege of walking through Rome, and we saw the ancient ruins. And one thing I noticed first was the foundation. The foundation of these ruins were often 30 or 40 feet high. And ancient Rome is actually 50 feet below modern Rome. The foundations of these structures were amazing. The Roman engineers were the best in the world. They knew what they were doing. And so for this lesson, we're imagining one structure with the solid foundation being God's truth, God's word. And the roof of the structure is taking delight in the Lord. And the four columns holding up the roof of this structure are trust, commit, rest, and wait. So picture that structure in your head. The second thing I noticed about walking through the ancient ruins in Rome were the columns. They were massive and so strong to hold up the roofs of these structures. So our columns are trust, commit, rest, and today we're going to focus on rest. In our last lesson, we looked at commit, remember, and how God's idea of committing our ways to Him differs from our idea And in this lesson, we will look at what God meant by rest in Psalm 37 and how we need to change our view of rest in order to mesh our ways with God's ways, in order to truly take delight in Him. Remember who the author of Psalm 37 is, King David, a former shepherd. Do you think King David understood the importance of making the sheep rest? Remember in Psalm 23, David wrote that God makes him lie down in green pastures. So King David understood that sometimes the sheep will stand there unless the shepherd comes over and bends their legs gently and makes them lie down to rest. Does that sound like us? Sometimes we are so bent on working, moving, striving, that we tend to forget to rest. As we look further into the Hebrew word David used in Psalm 37 for rest, we will get a glimpse into God's idea of what resting truly is. Rest is essential to truly taking delight in the Lord. Rest is something we all need to do. Our bodies are machines. And if we work them constantly, they will break down sooner or later. And as Americans, we all have ideas as to what rest looks like, right? A nice nap, soft, fluffy kitten relaxing on a pillow, right? Sitting in a lounge chair. So think of your idea of a perfect day of rest. What does that look like? For me, it would begin with sleeping late, having a nice breakfast with my family, 
than pretty much lying around all day watching movies or silly TV shows with the occasional nap in between. Most of all, a day of rest for me would culminate in not using my brain all that much. The Heritage of the Righteous Psalm 37, verses 7-8 through Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of a man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. In Psalm 37, King David used the Hebrew word damam for rest. And this word means still, silent, stunned silent, silence, quieted, peace, dumb, struck dumb, silenced, destroyed, caused to die. Whoa. That's not what I thought of when I thought of rest. Now be truthful, is that what you thought rest and the Lord meant? I never read it that way before. I always saw it as rest, you know, my mind, my body, my soul, in the Lord, like I do when I take a nap on a soft couch or bed. But King David painted quite the different picture when he used this word, didn't he? Some Bible versions read it as, be still before the Lord. And many see this as how we are to stand before the Lord, absolutely still, awestruck wonder. But look at what David commanded the people of God. It's as if he is shouting at them as they take up a sword against the wicked or as they begin to step toward the wicked in envy to follow after them. Stop! Wait! Be still! Don't move! He was a good shepherd. He knew how to stop the sheep from heading into danger with his rod and staff. Does that recall to mind how our parents shouted at us when we approached a busy road? Or what about when you were about to touch that hot stove or oven door? Stop! Don't move! As we delve into the definitions of this word David chose, we see how we are truly to act when we stand before a holy God. Struck dumb. Struck silenced. Astonished standing completely still and quiet, awestruck. It reminds me of Isaiah's vision in Isaiah 6. What was Isaiah's reaction when he saw God on his throne in his mighty temple in this vision that he had? He said, Woe is me, for I am ruined. And that's sometimes translated as destroyed. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He didn't jump up and down or dance or sing. He was stunned in awestruck wonder and cried out that he is ruined. King David understood this reaction. He was struck down almost to death as he waited for the news about his newborn son, to Bathsheba. Remember in 2 Samuel chapter 12, King David laid on the ground all night, perfectly still before God. 
David was struck silent, still, quieted, as though he were dead. But he wasn't utterly destroyed. So fast forward to Psalm 37, and we see how he instructed God's people to do the same thing. Don't move. Be still. Be silent as you wait on the Lord to act. And he said to them, Do not fret or have angst because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. David could see the people were angry, frustrated because of the prosperous wicked. They grew tired of waiting for God to act against the wicked. Aren't we the same way? Do we grow tired of waiting for God to act? David saw God's people wander away and follow after the wicked. Or they were so consumed by their hatred, they wanted to war with the wicked. The wrath inside them grew and began to overtake them. What about you? How have you patiently waited in stillness and silence before the Lord? Has that type of waiting been difficult for you? As I have shared with you before in previous studies, waiting patiently in silence is something I struggle with on a daily basis. We are not alone in our struggles, are we? What were the consequences of the anger and wrath of God's people? Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. And in the English Standard Version, it says, Refrain from anger. Forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. The people longed for God to enact his judgment on the wicked. But David warned them that their anger and wrath will lead only to harm or evil. So in other words, their anger and wrath will eventually cause them to become what they despise the most, evil. Can you relate? We see this in the world today, don't we? People allow their hatred to consume them, and they become just like those they despise, wickedly evil. Life Application Foundation So how can we apply all that we've learned so far? Well, we can heed David's advice. Cease from anger, forsake wrath, it only causes harm, and be still and wait on God. In Romans 6, Paul wrote to the early church in Rome that our wrath will earn us death. Our sin will earn us death. So as you can see, our anger and wrath, or sin, causes harm, doesn't it? Our sin leads to death. Not just our death, but death. All of creation suffers. People around us suffer because of our sin. Do you think that if God's people took up sword and, in their wrath, tried to wage war with the Babylonians, one of the fiercest armies at that time, that only the Babylonians would be harmed? Of course not. Thousands of men on both sides would perish. Men, women, children, cattle, sheep, the land would all suffer. Our sin causes death. David, a mighty warrior, understood this. 
He saw this with his own eyes. He saw the carnage that comes with war, that comes with wrath. So what does he do instead? King David reminded the people about the future of the wicked in contrast to the future of the righteous. In verses 10 through 11, he said, In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. You will look carefully at his place, and he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundance of peace. Trust, commit, rest in the Lord. Notice how David begins to point God's people toward the one. David would never meet his Messiah while he walked this earth, but he believed that Messiah would come. He knew this righteous one is the one we all need to imitate. But the meek, he wrote, shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Doesn't this verse reflect what Jesus had said? Remember in Matthew 5, blessed are the meek, remember? And who are the meek? The Hebrew word David used in Psalm 37 is anav, and it means humble, lowly, poor, needy, weak, and afflicted. And the Greek word used in Matthew means gentle and mild. So do those words describe Jesus? Was Jesus wealthy and powerful? Remember what it said in Matthew 8? And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no pillow to lay his head. He has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus only had the clothes on his back and the shoes on his feet. Were the apostles humble, meek, lowly, and poor? Do these words describe God's people? Do these words describe you and me? We can apply all that we've learned in Psalm 37 so far by remembering who we are meant to follow. Who is our Good Shepherd? Jesus said in John 10, I am the Good Shepherd, and the Good Shepherd gives his life for the sheep. King David in Psalm 37 didn't point the people to himself, no. David knew he wasn't the Messiah. He was simply one king, chosen by God for an appointed time. And David knew his job was to proclaim Christ to the people. Look to the one, look to the righteous, look to the Messiah. God's people longed for revenge. But who doesn't? When we are wronged, we ask God, why? Sometimes we ask the person who hurt us, why did you do that? I don't understand. What did I ever do to you? It was the same with all the people in the Bible who were wronged. Why? God's people craved vengeance on their enemies. But can you blame them? I mean, they were such a tiny little plot of land compared to Assyria and Babylon and Persia and Egypt and then later Greece and Rome. They had hoped their Messiah would be a great military leader to destroy Nebuchadnezzar and Cyrus and Xerxes and Pharaoh and Caesar and Alexander the Great. Even after Jesus rose from the dead, what did his disciples ask him? In Acts 1, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore 
the kingdom to Israel. After all they had seen Jesus do, after all how he proved he was the Messiah, they were still concerned about revenge. They basically were saying, when will our kingdom be restored so we can be a great nation again, Lord? When will we rise up and overthrow our enemies, the Romans? Oh, Messiah, great military leader. They still didn't get it, did they? What about you? Have you fallen for the enticements of the wicked surrounding you? They do prosper in their way, don't they? They live in fine houses and drive new cars and drink the best wine and eat the best food. And they seem to live without a care in the world. And some do. But we would be wise to remember their fate. For yet a little while, King David wrote, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be nowhere. So then why on earth do we long to be like those who are perishing, like those who are going to vanish? Instead, we are to long for a relationship with the one who conquered death for us. In John 17, it's pretty much my most favorite chapter in the Bible, Jesus is praying with his disciples, for his disciples, and for us, future believers in Christ. And he asks God to make them one, like he and the Father are one. And then he prayed and asked God to make us one, as he and the Father are one. Isn't that beautiful? King David commanded that God's people stop where they are in awestruck wonder, be silent before the Lord as they wait for him. He pointed them to the one, the righteous, who will make it all come to pass, and he reminded them not to fret over those who will perish. After learning all this, has your idea of rest in the Lord changed after this lesson? How has your idea of coveting or envying the wicked changed so far? In John chapter 17, what did Jesus desire for us? Wealth? Power? Fame? Fortune? Or to be one with God? Jesus didn't desire for us anything of this world because he knew the world is passing away. What is the greatest thing that could ever happen to us? Oneness with God, our Creator, our Father. Imagine standing before the Lord right now in awestruck wonder, silent and still as though dead. That's who we are supposed to be as we wait on the Lord to act. This posture, though, requires trust and committing all of our cares to Him. And it requires meekness and humility, doesn't it? It certainly doesn't require anger or vengeance and impatient whining. Yet, like God's people, we tend to do that as we wait on the Lord. But let us always remember to look on the example that Jesus gave us as He waited on His Father's will. In Matthew 14, we're told, And when He had sent the multitudes away, He went up on the mountain by Himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. And what did Asaph do in Psalm 73 when he was fed up with the prosperity of the wicked? 
He said, When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. Asaph sought God. He prayed. Jesus sought his Father. He prayed. So the next time we become frustrated and angry and confused with the prosperity of the wicked, that's what we need to do. Seek out the Father, pray, be still, silent, and wait on the Lord. And that's what we're going to look at next time, waiting on the Lord. And I promise you, it will not look like what you think it does. So until next time, what did you learn about God today that maybe challenged you and comforted you? I thank you so much for joining me today to learn more about God and Psalm 37. Be encouraged and inspired to seek God every day in silent, awestruck wonder. And until next time, God bless.